the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church Reno, we love God, love others, and make a difference. For more information, visit lifechurchreno.com. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Well, hey, it's great to see you this morning. Hey, whether you're joining us live or joining online, do want to welcome you to Life Church. Today we're continuing in our series in the book of Judges. And we're looking at maybe the most well-known of all of the characters in the book of Judges. We're looking at the character of Samson. Now, now Samson, in addition to being a pretty common dog name, anyone here ever had a dog named Samson, anybody? It's actually the 33rd most common boy's dog name. Of all the Bible characters, the two most common dog names are Samson and Boaz, in case you're looking for any good dog names. And, and, but we see some fascinating things in the life of Samson. One, one thing that's unique about Samson to me is in Samson, we see some very clear pictures of what we're like. And then, and then we also see some clear pictures, shadows, and contrasts of what Jesus would be like. And so this week, we're gonna look at Samson through the lens of his similarities to us. Next week, we're gonna look at Samson as kind of this shadow of who Jesus would ultimately come and fulfill the promise. And so if you have your Bibles, go over to Judges chapter 13. Thing about Samson is he's this mix. He, like he, he's this mix of strengths and weaknesses. He's known for being incredibly strong physically, and he definitely was, maybe like no other man that's ever lived, but, but he had weaknesses that, that were greater than most also. He has these epic military victories, yet his personal life was a mess over and over and over again. God blessed him with this incredible strength, yet he loses it all. For a pretty girl. In Samson, we see someone whose giftedness is far more developed than his character. So let's, let me read to you. It's Judges 13, verse 2, the beginning of the Samson story. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless. We see here a miraculous birth story here. You're barren and childless, but you're going to become pregnant and, you, and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite. Dedicated to God from the womb, he will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines." And so there was this thing in the ancient, in, in the Jewish culture called a Nazarite vow, where typically it was taken for a, for a specific period of time um, for, to really as a sign of, of kind of special dedication to the Lord. And so somebody might for a set period of time say, I'm, I'm, for this period of time, I'm not gonna drink any alcohol. I, I won't touch any dead, dead things, dead, dead body, dead animal, and, and I won't cut my hair. Not unlike what we would think of as a time of fasting, fasting and prayer. It was this set period of time to dedicate oneself to the Lord. But what we see here in Samson is, 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 is before he was born, he, God says he is going to, to live this way for his entire life. His entire life is going to be dedicated to me in this special way. No alcohol, no haircuts, and no touching of any dead thing. A lot of you are like, I could totally sign up for two of those. And so... Uh, and. and and so that's how it starts off. And even before he was born. And, but what we see here in Samson's life is that, is that just like us, 
He wasn't very good at keeping the rules. See, a lot of the Samson, what we see pretty soon, we see it in chapter 14, we see this situation, he, 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 fall, he sees a pretty girl. Now, you know, God had said that Samson was gonna be used to deliver Israel from the Philistines, their enemies, and so Samson's idea is, let's marry one. He sees a pretty girl, he falls in love, and the next thing we know is there's this giant, he throws a giant kegger. Here's the way it's described in Judges 14. Verse 10, so, he, so there's this wedding, he marries this girl, he shouldn't have married. It says, now his father went down to see the woman, and there Samson held a feast as was customary for young men. Now, the odds of there not being alcohol at that feast are like next to zero. So there's this feast, the kind of feast that young, stupid men throw. Imagine a crazy bachelor party in Vegas is kind of what we're thinking here. And so now we see here with Samson, we're gonna see that there's this theme in Samson's life that self-control is not Samson's thing. And so there's an incredibly high likelihood that in this moment, Samson violates that part of this vow that says you're never to touch alcohol. Now we don't know for sure he violates that one, but it certainly looks like he did, but we know he violates the other two. So then, we had this moment where this lion comes to attack Samson. He kills the lion, leaves the dead body on the side of the road. A few days later, he's going by the side of the road, and a bee has made its has made a tithe inside of that dead lion's body. There is honey there, and Samson sees that honey and says, I want some of that. So he goes over to that dead body, scoops out this honey that's just been inside this dead body. I mean, that's a, this sounds really gross, even if you're not taking a vow. Like, who eats honey out of dead stuff? And so he goes, he touches this dead body, violating the vow number two. And then we all know later, he was, he's dealing with Delilah, this other girl who is clearly out to find out the secret of his strength so that she could be on the, she's on the side of these enemies. Every single time he says, hey, this will take away my strength. She goes, she tells people, hey, come and do this, tie him up in a certain kind of rope, do this, do that, do this, do that. And so every single time she does to him, the thing he says will take away his strength. And so finally he says, it's my hair. If you cut off my hair, I'll lose my strength and the next thing you know his hair's cut off and so all three pieces of Samson's vow he ends up he ends up violating and so just like Samson we, we find ourselves similar and that most of us aren't great at keeping all the rules now whether you're simply thinking about the Ten Commandments we, we've all lied We've all disobeyed our parents. We've all coveted. We've all worshiped things other than God. All, all, as you go on through the list, n none of us have kept all 10. Many of us have broken all 10, either, either actually or in our hearts. And so whether you're looking at God's 10 commandments, we, we blow it. And then Jesus summarized all the commands down to two. He, he said, really, all these commands are summed up with love the Lord your God with your whole self. And then love your neighbor as yourself. And so most of us blow it on the 10. Most of us blow it on the two. All of us blow it on some of those. We, like Samson, aren't great at keeping all the rules. Here's the second way we're like Samson. Like Samson, we face three great traps. First John chapter 2, verse 16. Here's how John talks about the three great traps in our life. 
He says, for everything in the world. Now, sometimes in the Bible, where you read that word, world, word, world, cosmos in the Greek, there's a number of ways it can be um, um, interpreted, translated. And so in one sense, when God talks about the world, sometimes talking about the people of the world. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. So sometimes the world can be talking about the people of the world, but that's not what John's talking about. Sometimes we see the word world used to describe what we, we would call of as the world system that, that, that is in opposition to God's kingdom. Think of it as, as an opposing kingdom in opposition to God's kingdom. It says for everything in the world or the world system that's opposed to God is, are, are defined by three things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, these things come not from the Father, but from the world. So the thing about Samson, just like us, he faced three traps. We're going to talk about one is this lust of the eyes. We see in Judges 14, verse 1, it says this. Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I've seen lust of the eyes. A Philistine woman in Timnah, now get her for me as my wife. He says, I've, lust of the eyes says, I've seen it, and now I must have it. I've seen her. I'll, now I must have her. His father and his mother replied, isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all of our people? God had made clear to his people, he, he, he says, you're, you're not to marry outside of the faith. He says, these people are, are worshiping false gods. You're to worship the one true God. Marry people that worship me. And he says, his father and mother replied, isn't there someone else and that, that's, that, that, that's worshiping the one true God that's a part of the nation of Israel? He says, must you you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife. Now, they know that God's given this promise that he was to begin the deliverance of Israel from these Philistine enemies. And he says, but Samson said to her, get her for me. She's the right one for me. All just from seeing her. Like they hadn't been dating six months. It wasn't her personality. It was something else. See, what lust says, it says, I see her. I want her. I've got to have her. I'll do anything to have her, no matter how foolish and no matter how damaging. Same thing we see, this lust of the eyes. We see it with King David. He's hanging out on his patio, looking over at his neighbor's house. He knew that every night around nine o'clock, his neighbor's wife took a bath out there. He knew the neighbor was out of town fighting his battle. And, he, and so David now becomes not David, but Tom, peeping Tom. <laughs> and he sees her and he says, get her for me. Lust says, I see that, I want that, I've got to have it. I see that girl, I see that guy, I see that car, I see that house, I see it, I want it, I've got to have it, I'll do anything to get it. This is what happened in the garden with our first parents. So Genesis 3, 6, when the woman saw this lust of the eyes, the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye. See, the thing is, when we're driven by the lust of the eyes, we, we do what is right in our own eyes. When, we, when we're driven by the lust of the eyes, we do what's right in our own eyes and disregard what's going on in God's eyes. And so what Samson here is doing is he's becoming like the people that he's supposed to be leading and delivering. We saw early in the book of Judges, this theme, Judges 17, 6, in those days there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own Eyes. And so there's the lust of the eyes, but very closely related. These things are connected almost always. The lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh. See what we see here in Judges 14, 8. 
It says, sometime later, we went back to marry her. He turned aside to look at the lion's carcass, and in it, he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. So he sees it, and he sees that, that, that honey, and then he, sees, he says, that's going to make me feel good. That's going to satisfy something in me. And he scooped out the honey with his hands, and, and he ate it as he went along. And, and then we see this again, Judges 16, verse 1, where the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh are connected. One day, Samson went to Gaza, where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. So he, he sees her and he says, if I'm with her, it, it, it's going to appeal to my flesh, to my senses, to my feelings, to my body, the lust of the eyes. See, the thing that we see about Samson's life over and over and over again is that if he has an urge, he's going to fulfill it. So whether it's this Philistine girl that his parents said, hey, this is unwise. He says, I've seen her and I want her, the lust of the eyes. He's gonna make me feel good, the lust of the flesh. Whether it's this prostitute, he sees her, he spends the night with her, he, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. We see, happens again with Delilah who would ultimately take him down. He was just, he saw her and, and what she could, how she could make him feel, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. Here we see it with this honey. See, when John talks about the flesh, what he's talking about is this, it means to live a life that's dominated by the senses. And this lust of the flesh where all, all of, where I'm driven by my desires and I don't really care at all what God says or what's going to be healthy, what's going to be good. See, we see that in Eve with our first parents. She saw the fruit and then it says that she saw that it was good for food. She saw that, man, that looks good. I think it's going to taste good. I think it's going to satisfy me. Lust of the eyes leads to the lust of the flesh. And so what we see, the, if, if, there's, if there's a handful of overarching themes out of this story of Samson, but one, one clear theme is that lust makes a strong man weak. Lust says, I want it even if it's not wise. Lust, lust says, I, I'm going to do it even if it's going to damage me and damage others. Lust says, I want it even if, if God and loved ones say no. So here's the truth. Have you ever heard the statement that all sins are equal? Have you ever heard that statement? Well, here's the thing. That, that statement is, is half true. Um, if, if, if all sins are absolutely equal in every way, then you really wanted to steer into the funnest sins, right? Because some of you were gossiping and it's just not the funnest sin, right? Some of you were worrying, again, not the funnest sin. There's other ones funner. But, but not, but all sins, here's the thing, all sins are equal in their ability to, to separate you from God and place you in, in the need for a savior. So as you went three miles over the speed limit today on the way to church, anyone break five miles over on the way? One honest, three honest people at Life Church? Man, if that's the only thing you ever did, that's, that thing is enough to separate you from a holy God and place you in a desperate need for the work of Jesus. That's why Jesus came. All sins are equal in their ability to, to make you, put you in a position where you desperately need the saving work of Jesus. But all sins are, are not equal at all in, in the damage that they can bring in our lives. Here's what, what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 15. He says, don't you know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in a body? A big lie today 
is that sex is only physical. It's just our bodies. It's just two bodies doing this thing. But, but what the Bible is clear is that it's much more than a, something physical that happens. Something spiritual happens. And he says, he says so if, if you are a child of God, he, he says, man, the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. And then, and then when you go and, and, and have sex with someone, so it's not just a physical thing. There's a spiritual thing that happens. A connection is formed. He says, he says, Fertis said, the two will become one flesh. There's this union that's supposed to happen with sex. Whoever's united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. So then goes on, verse 15, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. So all sins are equal in, their, in, the, in the result that it causes us to be in desperate need of a savior. But all sins aren't equally damaging. All sins don't, don't have the same type of effect on us or others. He said, all other sins are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Don't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. And so listen, some people will say, my body, my choice. Not if you're a Christian. He says, he says your body is not your own. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. See, here's the thing. Lust is deceitful. There was a British journalist, Malcolm Muggridge, and, and, and he was this writer who was known for drinking a lot, smoking a lot, sleeping around a lot, and, and, and he was an agnostic most of his life. But towards the end of his life, he came to faith, and as a younger man, he wrote a letter to his father and described an incident while he was in India. He, he just graduated from Cambridge. He moved to India to teach English. One day, he was strolling by a nearby river in the early evening. He spotted the silhouette of a woman bathing on the other side. Muggridge later wrote that his heart began to race with what he called the, quote, wild unreasonableness, which is called passion. Imagine young 20-something guy walking down, sees a naked lady in the river. He's thinking, this is my day. <laughs> Overcome by lust, he plunged into the water. Bold move. He doesn't just hide behind the tree and peek. He's like, I'm going in there. And started crossing the river as he approached the woman. Here's the thing, lust is deceitful. As he approached the woman, he suddenly realized that she was a toothless, wrinkled, and deformed leper. He quickly threw himself back into the river and started swimming in the other direction. Years later, Muggridge admitted that the real shock that morning was not the leper, as mind-bending as that would be. Rather, it was the condition of his own heart. Dark with appetites, overpowering his weak will. He wrote, if only I could paint, I'd make a wonderful picture of a passionate boy running after that and call it, quote, the lusts of the flesh. See, lust is deceitful. Lust causes you to think that you love somebody when really they're just attractive on the outside. But if you marry just for that in 20 years, you'll realize that lust was deceitful. Lust is deceitful. Lust can destroy you. Illinois Department of Natural Resources reports that over 17,000 deer die each year after being struck by motorists on state highways. According to the state wildlife director, the peak season for roadkill is in late fall. Why? The bucks are in rut or in heat in November. The bucks aren't in heat, but you get the opposite. 
they are ready to get their groove on. And uh, they're concentrating almost exclusively on reproductive activities and are a lot less careful than they normally would be. So you got all these bucks that just want to make babies. And so if, if it kills them running across the street, to get to that female deer. They're willing to take the risk because that's all they're thinking about and it causes them to get so stupid. Now I know people never do that stuff, right? <laughs> hey, my friend Joe Jonovic, where's Joe at? Come on up, let's give it up for Joe. So Joe and his wife Heidi and their two daughters came to Life Church just a few months after we got started over at Galena High School. And, and Joe and I have gotten to become friends over the years. And Joe's shared with me and others many times of, uh, Joe, oh, Joe, have you just been super open about kind of your, your own journey, kind of the damaging effects of, of lust and sexual sin. And talk to us a little bit about your story of just kind of, kind of what God's brought you out of and kind of how he did some of that. Unpack that a little bit. Well, so um, when I was young, my parents got divorced, and uh, my mom moved to California, and uh, I, I started uh, self-medicating, and uh, my mom gave me some really bad advice. She said, you got to look out for number one, and so I became very selfish and narcissistic, and then she had her boyfriend take me out to the desert on my 16th birthday to shoot guns, drink beer, and then we ended up in a brothel, and so I lost my virginity at 16 in Pahrump, Nevada. And it just set me up for a life of, uh, time of self-medicating and objectifying women. And uh, I, I stopped going to church. I knew what I was doing wasn't right, but I ended up going to strip clubs. I, I, I spent time with prostitutes, and I thought I wasn't hurting anybody. But then I realized that, A, I was grieving the Holy Spirit, um, but I also brought all that junk into my marriage with Heidi. So, so obviously like significant negative effects in your life in your marriage how did God begin to kind of free you from some of that well you know I was walking around in shame I was isolated and that's the problem whenever we're sinning the devil keeps us in an isolated position and if you think about Samson Samson had no friends he didn't listen to anybody he was emotional and I read this book uh, by Craig Groeschel called Fight and it talks about being emotionally driven versus being spirit-led. And I had this aha moment like, what does spirit-led mean? And so I started reading my Bible. I started uh, uh, reading books on the Holy Spirit. And I realized that I do everything out of emotion. And when I act as emotional, Joe, I get in a lot of trouble and I gunk things up quite a bit. And so... Um, Eventually, I've never heard that phrase "gunk things gunk up" quite a bit. Things I, up a little I, bit. I like that. I like um, that. And so, so I started walking with the Holy Spirit, and uh, I went to uh, a gentleman in this church. It was about eight or eight, nine, ten years ago, and I said, "I am struggling with pornography," and he said, "Oh, that's nice," and ran because he didn't know what to do with that. <laughs> and I think a lot of us, you, you know, I finally uh, put it out in the light. And he said to you, I'm struggling with gossip. Yeah. And, I, and, uh, and, so and then you're like, oh, wrong guy. And then, and, uh, and so then I, so, so then I go to a men's encounter and they, they had a talk about sexual sin and the guy quoted some verses about if you look at another woman with lust in your eyes, you're creating adult, uh, committing adultery. 
But it was just, it was a lot of fluff. And I said, that is not going to help men that are struggling like me. And God said, I want you to carry the torch. I want you to talk about pornography and masturbation and put a light on this sin so we can free people from the bondage and the lies of Satan. So, yeah, I was telling you before church, there's a guy in this service who, when I first met him, I met at, uh, at Lifetrack just a few weeks ago, I, he said, I said, well, how'd you find Lifetrack? He said, well, I'm, I'm in Joe's porn group. He's, he's, and I was like, you're watching porn with Joe? I'm like, all right. And, uh, and he said, I'm in Joe's porn recovery group. And, uh, and I just thought, man, that's awesome. So you've been able to help some guys begin to walk in some freedom. Talk about that a little bit. So, um, you, you know, right now I co-lead a Tuesday night men's group. We're doing a curriculum that's, uh, that, that we've gotten through Pure Desires Ministry. And Is that just a, like puredesire.org? Puredesire.org, I believe. Gotcha. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a 10 to 12 month curriculum. And what we're trying to do is not focus on sobriety, but focus on being healthy, being physically, emotionally, and spiritually healthy. Um, and we get, we, we develop a, an awareness of where we are emotionally, because a lot of times when people relapse or self-medicate, it's because they're angry, tired, tired, hungry, lonely, again, that isolation thing. And so we're really trying to help men, uh, become healthier. But here's the interesting thing. These gentlemen in my Tuesday night group are, are guys that have been caught by their wife for a third time. They've been kicked out of the house, threatened with divorce. And if you look at the statistics, statistics say that more than 50% of men are struggling with lust. And the biggest growing uh, demographic of, of new consumers of pornography are women, which breaks my heart. And so we've got to put this in the light and we've got to work on this stuff as a community, Right. A lot, and, and I, you know, pornography for me was a lot different than young people today. You know, they've grown up with internet. You had to go look for it. I had to go look for it, and it was a little bit artsy. This stuff that, that there, you can uh, stream on your phone is, is debauchery, and it's all about money, and they're getting kids addicted. I've, I've got bo- men that I've worked with in the last two weeks that got exposed at eight or ten years old. They don't know what to do with this stuff. And it breaks my heart. And then they go into their marriage and they can't tell their wives because they're afraid that their wives are going to divorce them. And they love their wives. This was, this was part of who they were before they ever met their wives. And so my heart is we need to have honest conversations, right? We need to give you guys resources. We need what to would help. you say to someone who's like, who, who is either struggling with pornography, other sexual sin, or on the verge of it, what would be your advice? Well, uh, there is hope, and you gotta be in community. You know, um, you, you gotta tell a brother. You gotta have other people praying for you. You know, if you, keep, if you stay isolated and you keep it in the dark, you're go- it's like cancer inside of you. It'll eat you up, and you're never gonna be out there doing God's work. And, and here's a transition for me. I spend a lot of time in shame staring down at my shoes. And once I started walking in the spirit, I spend all my time looking up at Jesus. And now I'm, I have a servant's heart. Life isn't about me anymore. It's about serving God and my wife and kids and then my neighbors. And now I, I spend the majority of my time every day in ministry, sharing the love of Jesus with others, helping men get freedom from pornography and other sins too. And uh, I have more love and joy and peace in my life than I ever imagined I could have. Awesome. It's, I've, seen that gro- I've seen that growth in your last 14 years. Oh, I love my life now. So talk about some upcoming resources. So the Pure Desire, that can be found on the, and, the, and so anyone can join an online Pure Desire group 
like yeah. any time, right? So right now, um, we have a group, but it's closed. We're, we're five or six months into a 12-month curriculum, but they do have online groups that you, and a lot of great resources on their website. Now, we're trying to raise up a couple of good men. The guys that are in my Tuesday night group, we're hopeful they'll eventually lead group, groups here in northern Nevada. Um, and then also... Um, on uh, July 23rd, um, here in this, this room, uh, we're going to have an event where we're going to show a movie called The Heart of Man. And uh, this movie, it, it says... Check this, out the preview of that movie online. It, it's, it's great. Fantastic. Yeah. It says, despite the brokenness and bad choices we make in our lives, God relentlessly pursues us to restore us. And so this is a, a movie, uh, it'd be great on a date night, it's going to be on Friday night from 6 to 9, we'll have child care, we'll serve popcorn, soda, hot dogs, um, we'll have a little bit of fellowship ahead of time, the movie's only an hour and 15 minutes, and then we'll do some question and answers. Again, we're trying to develop resources and tools to help people that are, are suffering from uh, the sin, but are also isolated. We got to get it out in the light. Joe, thanks much. Let's give it up for Joe. Thank you. So this, the, the sin, the, uh, the, the trap for Samson, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pri- and then the third is the pride of life. Same traps for us. See, what Samson did, did is he made everything in life about himself. See, Joe said, I, I used to think everything was about me, that, that pride of life. And so Samson made everything about himself. You only see him pray twice in his whole life. There's a whole lot of, if you read the story of Samson, he talks a lot about himself. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. Almost no God talk. He prays when he's like thirsty. He thinks he's about to die of thirst. And then at the end of his story, we see him pray a second time. But this pride of life thing, if we see it again in the garden where Eve sees that fruit, it looks good. She thinks it's going to taste good and feel good. And then it has the, and then it has the ability to make her wise. It's going, to make me, it's going to make me like God. It's this pride thing where I want to elevate myself in my own eyes, bring God down to my level. And so this, those three, same three traps for Samson that got him in trouble, same three things that get us in trouble. And then here's our last point and we're done. Like Samson, if I am still breathing, God is waiting for me to return to him. Judges 16, 25, so what's happened is he, 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 you know, he marries the woman he wasn't supposed to marry. He has, he, he has this uh, uh, you know, night with the prostitute. Now there's another pretty girl who's on the enemy's side and, and is out to destroy him. And so she's out to, Delilah's out to find out what, where's the source of his strength. And, and after, time after time, he says, it's this. And then they, they do that to him. And then he, he kills the people coming after him. And it happens time after time. And then finally he says, it's my hair. So they finally come and they get him and, and, and then they, gouge out his eyes, make him their kind of slave and kind of party trick. Look at Samson, do this. And and then here we see Judges 16, verse 25. It says, while they were in high spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he performed for them. And when they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there and on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Second time in his life we see him pray. And it's a whole different kind of prayer than he prayed when he was just wanting some water. He said, sovereign Lord. There's this, first time in his life he recognizes that that God's God and and not him. He recognizes he needs God. He recognizes that God is sovereign. He says, remember me. He said, the reality is God had never forgotten Samson. Samson had forgotten God. 
He'd done the same thing that, that, that the, the Israelites had kept doing. They kept forgetting God, making life about themselves. That's what Samson had done with the pride of life. He said, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. Let me get one blow and get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached towards the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and left hand on the other. Samson said, now, because, you know, he was, his whole purpose was God had raised him up to deliver, to begin the deliverance of the Israelites away from these, the Philistines. He says, Samson, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all of his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. And, and, and so the, the big thing we see here in Samson is, is even though Samson's whole life, he just kept blowing it and forgetting God, making life about himself, doing what looked good, felt good. Uh, he did, did this over and over and over again. As soon as he just recognized, man, I need God. I've messed things up. I'm in a mess. As, as soon as he just took a step towards God, 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 God answered his prayer. God engaged him where he was at. See, the thing is, most of Samson's life is a mix of God using him and Samson really blowing it, seeming to forget God over and over. But even after all of that, Samson cries out to God and God meets him. And maybe you connect to that. Maybe your life has been a mixed bag. You say, hey, it's a, it's a, it's a mixed bag of me doing the right thing sometimes and me doing the wrong thing a lot of times. And maybe you, like Samson, tend to forget God. And maybe you feel like you've made a mess of things. And maybe you, like Samson, wonder if it's too late. Will God respond to me if I reach out to him? And the good news is this, just like Samson. And just like that prodigal son that Jesus talked about that went to his father and said, Dad, give me my share of the inheritance early, gets his money and he goes and he blows, blows all, that, all that money with prostitutes and crazy living and doing the wrong thing over and over and over again, finds, finds himself poor and broke and living in a pig pen. And, and then he says, I wonder if I could just go back as one of my father's servants. And then he heads back to say, Dad, would you forgive me and I'll just be your servant. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Can I just be your servant? And then Jesus said, and the father, who's a picture of God the father, sees that son in the distance and he says, he ran. Now a grown man at that time would never be caught running because most grown men look dumb when we run, you know? And so, and so the, but the dad just runs over to the son and he kisses him and he hugs him and gives him the family ring, throws a big party, kills the best, the best cow. And then they have this great, great party because the son who was dead is now alive again. And, and it's the same thing that, that, that even Samson shows us that, that if I'm still breathing, God is still waiting, saying, would you just come back? Let's pray. Maybe that's you. Maybe you say, you know what? Man, like Samson, I tend to Sometimes forget about God. Maybe it's a sometimes thing. Maybe it's an all the time thing. And maybe like Samson, those three great traps have defined your life. Lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And maybe like Samson, you've wondered, is it too late to come back? Have I blown it too much for God to still hear my prayer? And the great truth is, God is waiting for you just to be like Samson and just say, God, I recognize you're in charge. He said, sovereign Lord. He said, God, you're, you, you're the one 
who's in charge. You're the one that life's all about. It's not all about me and what I want, my ideas. And maybe that's you. And maybe just in the quietness of your heart, you might just, whether you say, man, I've, 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 I feel like I've given my life to Christ and become a follower of Jesus at some point in the past, but I definitely feel like I've wandered big time, forgotten God, lived for myself, done my own thing. Or maybe you say, you know what, I, I don't think I've ever even become a follower of Jesus, began a relationship with God. And so either way, you could just say, God, and I recognize I need you. And God, I'm grateful that even though I've forgotten about you, you've not forgotten about me. So God, I just want to come back to you or even come to you for the first time. And God, I thank you that it's not about me keeping all the rules because I can't and I haven't and I won't. And that that's why Jesus came and keeping all the rules that I never could keep Dying on the, on the cross, taking the punishment I deserve for breaking all those rules, took taking it on himself, rising from the dead, conquering my greatest enemies. So God, I just trust in what Jesus has done, his death and his resurrection. And I wanna follow Jesus the rest of my life. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this and we'll see you soon.